All right, Zig coming in at the top. Today on the show, we have Daniel Warren Johnson. Now, some interviews are too epic to do by myself. So I have, I think, my first ever uh, uh, interview with a co-host, Mr. Coda Kroos. Yes, it is me, Coda Kroos, here with my friend Dave, Ziggy Ditke, and we are interviewing Daniel Warren Johnson, legendary comics creator who has, who is the artist on The Ghost Fleet. He's the creator, writer, and artist of Space Mullet, Extremity, uh, Murder, Wo- Falcon? Murder Falcon, Wonder Woman Dead Earth, and Beta Ray Bill. Right, and you introduced me to him through his uh, Wonder Woman work at first. This is epic. This guy took Superman's skull and spine and put it in Wonder Woman's whip. And I'm like, whoa. And then, uh, then you shared Murder Falcon with me, and that that really hit home for so many of our musical upbringing, and like brought a metal tear to my eye. Yes, Murder Falcon is the book that me and Dave connected on. That we both made us both lifetime fans of Daniel Warren Johnson. What was it? It was super, and this interview was super rad. I think he was so cool. He just hung out with us for like. Two hours and was the easiest interview I think ever. He was so excited and into metal. So fun getting to talk to him, real treat, and I can't wait to run into him at a convention in the future. And I just want to say to all the listeners, you check out his YouTube channel. If you YouTube search Daniel Warren Johnson or Daniel Warren Art, you'll find his channel. He does these awesome behind-the-scenes director's cut takes of his comics, and he also does live videos on friday where he just draws and um it's a cool youtube channel it's really rad it's really really cool to see the process behind it also uh beta ray bill issue four should be coming out soon june Uh, 30th june 30th uh issue three came out if you're not buying beta ray bill you gotta buy it it's an amazing (laughs) comic book we are gonna be getting our copies at comics argo in sheffield ohio shout out to eric and ed from comics argo and uh I hear they got a, a cool jingle. They might be having a cool jingle coming out soon for their, for their, by for their, a cool band. Yeah, and they also do those really rad uh, live stream sales. Yes. When do they do those? Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights on Facebook. 7 to 8. Comics are go. All right. If you can like, rate, <laughs> like, rate, subscribe, and review the podcast on all the podcast platforms, it helps me and Coda keep talking to awesome guests and getting insights to share them with you. So without further ado... Daniel Warren Johnson. I think it'll work. All right. Awesome. Cool. So to jump into it, you you started with teaching too, right? I did. And uh, I did. How that like what what was the straw with that? Well, yeah. Um, my parents really wanted me to do a teaching degree for um, college. I just wanted to do art. Uh, I didn't really want to like go to school to be like a teacher. Um, but I basically like became, I got my teaching degree because my parents wanted me. <laughs> um, and so I remember student teaching was like really rough. I really did not enjoy it. Um, I had trouble in my experience, you know, you kind of like need to become a different person when you're a teacher Yeah. and like kind of put on like a different face. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> I'm really bad at that, you know, like what you see is what you get. And, um, I was not good at like kind of taking on that role and like changing my personality dependent on the classroom. So that was really challenged for me and I did not enjoy it at all. And, you know, I, I could see like when I was in student teaching that I didn't really like it, but then I, I had a middle school teaching 
art job, art teaching job, oh, no. basically land, land in my lap. Yeah. Um, so I thought maybe it was like a sign that I should be a teacher. Uh, cause like I literally, like I, I basically like someone recommended me. I didn't even apply. Sick. I walked in <laughs> and you know, they interviewed me and I'm like, she's like, okay, so you have the job. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> Total school of rock moment. <laughs> Uh, seriously, that's like literally exactly what it was like, but the art version. I'm, I'm coming in there and I don't know. I mean, like I went to school for it, but I had no idea what I was doing. And it's really hard. And I know the first year is the hardest year and uh, I didn't make it the second year. <laughs> I just could not deal. I could not deal. It's it's tough. And middle schoolers are the worst. <laughs> middle schoolers aren't like seventh grade was the most challenging. Right. Well, that's, uh, they're, they're cool enough to almost know themselves, but you know what I mean? Yep. Young enough to not, but yep. old enough to not do the fun stuff. Like yep. elementary is rad. Those kids, they'll down for whatever. <laughs> they still think Bob yep. Ross is cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> but once you get past oh, yeah. that, it's a different story. Um, I felt, I felt like sixth graders too were like, they were still young enough that like we, I could still, you know, they're not trying to be cool in that way, you yeah. know, whereas like seventh grade and eighth graders are like, they're not very good at it, but they're like, they, they've like kind of figured out how to be cool in their own way. So they, they can be reasoned with, but seventh graders, you know, it's just absolute insanity. Like they, their bodies are changing and they're just all over the friggin' place. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And well, at that point you're almost in high school. So you're almost doing that. Who am I route? You know what I mean? Yep. Eighth grade's yep. the platform for that. Um, totally. The, the kind of step it even further back. Uh, what? When did art become the the way for you to convey yourself? Was it art or music first, or was it like a blend of the two? Uh, it was definitely, it was definitely art first because okay. I remember drawing like Power Rangers when I was in first grade. Yeah. <laughs> and I would just do that all the time. Um, yeah, like Power Rangers is one of the first things that kind of exposed me to like stuff that like wasn't the action Bible. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but I did read a lot of the action Bible as well. Whoa, whoa, we, we were, whoa. we were literally just flipping through that before the podcast. Just, it was just, really? it just happened to be sitting on a piano in his house and we were, and I was like, what is this? And he was like, you've never seen that. <laughs> oh dude, it is a classic. And there's some like legit, like golden age illustrators in there, like yeah, comic book guys. That's, that's kind of what we were saying. We were like, whoa, this is, this is legit. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're no joke. I don't know the, I cannot remember the names. I, I have a copy at my house that I grew up in that yeah. is lying around and I really want to know who else is in there. Um, that's like not, um, I just really want to know, you know, a lot of those old school illustrator guys, you know, they were church going folk. <laughs> sure. it, it's super interesting. Like a, a teacher at my work, he, he's like, um, he gave me that. It was like, a, he's an interesting character, but he gave me and the art teacher that. And it just says like a gift. That's why it's on the piano. Oh, okay. But we were looking at it, and it's so funny you bring that up. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but, like, because I was starved for comics, like, growing up, because I was you know, pretty sheltered. and But, I, but you, I was allowed to read the Action Bible, and that was like, that was a comic book. And I just ate that up, like, every day I would look at that. Um, so I was just always looking for something, but it was definitely art, definitely art, visual okay. art for sure. And, and mu music didn't really come into my life until I was about 11 with guitar. Was it? I remember, oh, go ahead. I was, was it in the family? Was guitar around or? No, my dad always wanted to learn, but he never really did. And my mom was kind of a lapsed piano player. Okay. 
Um, but like, I remember I was homeschooled and I had those like little encyclopedias of history. So there was like history of like wars that America was involved in, like history of music, history of art. You know, it was like an, one of those encyclopedia volume things that was sitting on our shelf. And I remember flipping all the way to the end of the music one. Cause I didn't care about any of the early stuff. And like, this is back in the late nineties. So like Nirvana had just kind of wrapped up, you know, like and it had wrapped up enough to make it into like an encyclopedia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And there's a picture of Kurt Cobain on the In Utero tour playing that Stratocaster. And I was like, Mom, who is this? I need to be like this. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. And then I started taking guitar lessons like a month later. Nice. Okay. So <laughs> it's it, with the, with art, it's kind of, was it appealing to like, like, or did it become a, a way to convey yourself because you can visually like see it? Like, you can see how you can express yourself through that? Because I, I've listened to a fair amount of interviews and you use a lot of references and you refer to your references. So like, as far as like seeing a a scene and taking in from it and be able to read, put it out yourself, was that something that was like initially that spark that made this, uh, 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 that made art like the, the way to convey yourself. Does that make, uh, that might be a weird question. Uh, no, I think I understand. You're talking like, um, like, did I ever use, like, the line to, like, kind of express myself in that way? Yeah, or, like, was it, I can see it in front of me and replicate it down. So, like, to see the figure of the thing and be able mm-hmm. to express with that, is that kind of what it was the initial, like, I can do this type of deal? Man, I it, it it's funny. It's like that now, but it wasn't really like that when I was growing up. Okay. I was very much, like, trying to, you know, emulate what I was seeing like next to me. So when I'd have comics, I'd try and draw like what was in the comic, you know? Right. Um, whereas now, you know, I have, a, I have like a lot of um, like art books and, and reference books and stuff, but like I always kind of use it as like a best, like I'll just look at it to kind of know what it looks like, but I won't be like taking from it exactly. So like if I look at a picture of like a specific gun that I have to draw, like I'm not like rotating it in Photoshop and like, yeah. you know, it's like I see it, and I'm like, okay, I can kind of figure it out from there. Um, but back when I was a kid, I was like, visual visual reference was so rare. Like trying to find a picture of Optimus Prime on a printed page was like almost impossible. You know, I remember like right. pressing pause on on a, like a taped episode of Transformers, and that's <laughs> like how I like learned how to draw Optimus Prime. That's like, um, that's like the equivalent of someone being like, oh, I learned eruption from the record. I had to, I had yeah. to go back and burn it out. That's like the, yeah. that's so cool because with the, yeah. when the internet wasn't there. You couldn't just look it up. No. Right. And I, like, I remember there was this, some crappy comic that my grandparents gave me or something. It was like a terrible comic, maybe Richie Rich or something, something not cool. And the, on the inside or there was a, an ad for the Transformers uh, movie that had like just come out on VHS. Yeah. And, uh, I remember like, so there's like, it's a, it's an illustration of like, it's like a lineup of all the main characters from the movie and Optimus prime is right in the center. And I treasured that thing for years, you know, crappy, like Richie rich comic that I was like, well, there's a really cool picture of Optimus prime in there that I've used a million times over. That's awesome. That's like yeah. the, the the greatest hits record you can't get rid of because it's got the one cool version of uh, yep. Walk This Way or whatever that's live. <laughs> or and like, got- yeah, like the acoustic version of um of uh oh, oh, uh 
uh, while my guitar gently weeps. You know? Oh yeah, right. there you go. Yeah, it's like the best version. It's on this random it was collection. Only on, yep. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think it was like called Love or something like that. Yeah, just and you all. I always think it's on a specific one, and I get it on vinyl. I'm like, oh, while my guitar gently weeps, acoustic version is on this one. It never is. Nope. I always like make the mistake. <laughs> yeah, that's sick. Um, so the kind of like. Moving forward, when so art became the way of expressing yourself and conveying yourself, and there was the finding the rare gems that that you can learn from. When you like went to study with like, because you, I've heard stories about your your figure drawing teacher, and yep. they had a big impact on you. Was that like because like this is like next level now? You have access to things you didn't have before, or was it just like kind of the charismatic persona of the teacher? Well, I remember trying to like draw muscles and guys with, like big guns in art class. And my teacher yeah. was always like, this looks terrible. Like, it's one thing to want to draw like this, you know, but like, you got to be good at it. <laughs> Ouch. And, yeah. She, she was saying the quintessential, like, uh, you must learn how to master something before you can like, like, uh, stretch it or make it bigger right. like she's like basically you can't draw a muscly guy until you can draw a normal person with like normal mm-hmm. muscles and then once you have that base you can like blow things out of proportion and then it'll look cool and i was like bah, fine you know <laughs> um but i remember like we had sculpt we did sculpting once which i thought was bs i hated sculpting and i was just kind of doing whatever and we were supposed to sculpt our self in the mirror yeah, hmm. uh, like we're you know you're looking at yourself in a mirror and you're supposed to sculpt like a life size head sculpt of yourself, and I was kind of fudging the nose, you know, I was just like, man, eh, whatever, like this is kind of my nose. And my teacher walked by. Her name was Rosetta, and uh, she just like took my nose on and like on the sculpture and she just ripped it off and threw <laughs> it on the ground. She's like, you're not. She's like, you're not drawing. You're not sculpting anyone's nose. You're sculpting your nose. She's like, you got to make it look like your nose. And so. She would just like drill that into me. So I've learned from a very early age how to draw what I actually see, not what I think I see, Mm. Um, which is, you know, when you ask like a little kid to draw a house, they just do a little triangle and and maybe a little chimney or whatever. But for a lot of us, we don't like necessarily learn how to elevate, how to see a house past that. It's like we we can, we think like we think in our head, I know what a house looks like. And you just default to these lines that you've learned that you've just, that you just think, you know, but you haven't actually taken the time to like see. And that's something that's hard to get through to adults now. But I I learned that on really early. And it's thanks to Rosetta. That's a, that's a deep lesson because even on a philosophical point, you're seeing more of what's there. And like, it's interesting. It's almost like the Plato's idea of the figures, right? Like, or, or maybe I'm thinking, uh, uh, Aristotle, the idea of the figures, like everyone has like an idea of what a house is in their mind or a tree. And that's why we all know what that is. Um, yep. but, uh, the kind of, the kind of branch into that. So the, the, uh, there's this like draw what you see, not what you feel, not what you think the, in your work you've quoted, I've, I've heard in interviews, you've say like, uh, um, you have to put yourself into it to fully express yourself in your stories. Sure. So when did like, when was that crossover of being able to get past this, why I see and why I feel or what, what I see and into what I feel. 
Well, a lot of that is from kind of like my style of storytelling and like actually like writing and making stories um, like out of thin air seemingly, Yeah, which is kind of magic if you think about it. But um, so I try and be respectful of the, of the, the craft and like my ability to do so. Sometimes it gets lost, you know, with deadlines and everything. But uh, I would say that, uh, you know, it's, it's a really good question. And I think, you know, drawing has never necessarily, I won't say drawing has come easy to me, but it's just something that I th- feel like is a gift and I, I've worked really hard at it. Um, but it's always been harder for me to make like a story, like to write a script than it is to be like to draw a drawing. So the only way for me to be able to really make something that I feel like is a value is if for me to put part of myself in it, that seems like the only way that I can really make something that I'm going to feel okay putting all my time into. Right. So like I've tried, try, I've tried a lot to um, make stories that like I could just, you know, there might be kind of boilerplate and I make them look really cool and kind of get through the story, just, you know, whatever, it's going to look fine. I'll just like work off this structure and then draw it and it'll look cool. But I, I've never really been able to finish those projects because they don't have the lifeblood mm. to keep them going. Um, if part of me isn't in the project, I can't really finish it. It's, it's as simple as that. I've never finished a project that like wasn't worth finishing. <laughs> um, so, and a lot of times I'll just have to like shelve something now, like where I like, I have this science fiction book that I'm working on and it's like super epic kind of sci-fi opera vibe. And you know, it's close, but like I haven't really figured out my role in, in it and like how to put myself into it. So the visuals are friggin' awesome. Like I'm so I'm 110% confident in that, but the story is not there yet. So I just kind of, sometimes it just takes time. Right. It's interesting. Is there like, as far as like a, is there a creative, like, because that is an aspect that is kind of vague and you can't writing, you know, there's tons of books and like methods on how to write. And it's really particular to the individual and like, you know, inspiration strikes those who are working. Right. Is there, do you have like a, 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 a creative like a routine you do to kind of exercise that muscle as far as like making new stories not really they just kind of come and go um or Wait. rather just come and then i write them down um and try and like bottle them away there's not a ton of stuff that i would say is um well first off i don't get that many ideas I should say that I, I don't like, I'm not like actively thinking about ideas every day. Um, they're pretty rare. So I always get self-conscious when I hear writers being like, I have so many ideas and right. just not enough artists to make them or, you know, not enough time. And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, <laughs> I need more ideas. Um, Humble brag over there thinking of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, like I, I don't, so it's like, well, because I know, well, they know it too. All the writers know it too. It's so hard to make stuff from nothing. Right. So even just like you get an idea that might be kind of cool and you're like, oh, but then I have to make this work and that work and, da, 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 da. and your brain goes down the trail of like starting something new. So a lot of times I will, I write everything down that I think of, even if it seems bad, but a lot of times for the, for a project to really take hold and be like the next thing that I do, it has to have some sort of like real fire behind it. Gotcha. It's, it's uh-huh. really similar to um, music and how we write music. It's like the same sort of thing. You know, we'll have mm. songs that sit for so for years, but 
it, until you put your like you might have the riff that sounds awesome, but until you put yourself into it with the story, that's when it becomes your next project. Right, right. Mm. It's okay. The, it's interesting that the uh, the writing is that vague thing, and there's got to be that inspirato moment to catch it. And the to kind of move forward, we wanted to dive into your works as a to, for our listeners to get a grasp on the like mass mass amount of stuff you've accomplished so far. So, right what, Cody, where should we start it? You had more specific questions. I had some question. Well, you mentioned Optimus Prime. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was curious with. Uh, with with Ghost Fleet, so Donnie, you did this book pretty early in your career with Donnie Cates called Ghost yep. Fleet, and Don, Donnie's from Texas, so he has this obvious connection to um, to truckers and trucks and big rigs and that whole thing. But for yeah. me, I kind of thought your connection would be Transformers and, and Optimus Prime. Because <laughs> yeah. being from Chicago, I don't think you have that same sort of no. Yeah. And I grew up I, I I lived in Chicago from college on and I grew up in Massachusetts. So you know, I'm like getting <laughs> to the place where the trucks are like turning around to go back home. <laughs> yeah. So was that uh, your connection into the book? Was like I can draw some Optimus Prime stuff. Mike, I'm all if I'm gonna be totally honest, my connection from the book mostly came from a need to make money. <laughs> so, yeah, totally. uh, like because um, I did not help Donnie conceptualize the story at all. It was all right. Donnie. Donnie actually had an artist that he was going to go with. Um, and the artist actually bowed out for, uh, I can't remember why. But, you know, then all they, he had this book greenlit and an artist ready to go. And then all of a sudden, this artist kind of uh, bows out and he just asked me. He's like, hey, I need an artist like right now. Because um, that was one of Donnie's first published things. He had published Buzzkill at that time. Right. But he was looking for like the next thing and trying to like, you know, he had this momentum and didn't want to lose it. So he told me about the story and I was like, that's awesome. I, I And I didn't know how to draw trucks or cars. And I just was like, I better learn. <laughs> uh, so I started practicing and I wanted the main truck to be a, a cab over. Yeah. Um, But Donnie really wanted old school big rig. So. <laughs> uh, so I tried to make it like Optimus Prime, which they're easier to draw, too. But um. Yeah, he was like, no, it's got to be, it's got to be a big rig. So I was like, okay. And big rigs are harder to draw. So I kind of accepted the challenge and tried to treat it like a, uh, like a, a large drawing lesson, long scale drawing lesson. Nice. Yeah. Um, I think it's really cool that you guys both are these kind of heavy metal, you be, both became these sort of heavy metal writers <laughs> and started on this little truck book that is a little bit metal, but not anything like what the two of you would become. It's crazy. Sometimes we'll talk because we, we're, we're still buddies and, um, you know, it's a little funny to like reminisce about him and me like being on the phone, being really sad because Dark Horse just canceled the last four issues of Ghost <laughs> Fleet, you know, and Donnie just was really crushed and I was really bummed too. And it's funny to see. I wish I could have, you know, gone back in time and been like, it's going to be, it's going to work out. It's going to work out, guys. <laughs> Um, I know it was a long time ago, but uh, the character Mickey Reno, he yeah. he has these. I was really curious about this. He wears a black shirt, and every time, every panel, he has a different sort of like onomatopoeia or just like a word that's describing his emotion. Is that something yeah. that you came up with, or was that in the script? Donnie, uh, Donnie wanted the 
his shirt to say something, but I can't remember what it was. But I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I think it'd be cooler if it was just random stuff on his shirt. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> also, because like I remember having a problem with like drawing, drawing like type on a person's shirt in every panel. I was like, uh, but if it's like something different that it's like turns into a joke and it doesn't matter if it looks right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he was, and I, I look back on those drawings now and I'm like, I wish I could go back and change some stuff, but it was just me being me as best I could, you know, it's a cool book. Thanks um, man. I'm still proud of it. Totally. Uh, moving on to extremity. Yeah. Um, that was the first book that you kind of like, launched into like the dwj brand where you were like sure doing the full like you kind of set into your little uh your how your style and um yep i was just curious like how was it to get nominated for an eisner on the first thing where you kind of like put yourself (laughs) fully front front out there like that uh it was pretty amazing um and it was awesome it felt really good uh I remember Skybound was really happy too because I worked with them on the book and they had gotten a lot of like success from The Walking Dead, but they um, hadn't really gotten like the um, accolades or whatever you want to call it, like the street cred that like Eisner's brings. That was really, that was funny to hear my editor. He's like, we got an Eisner. We did it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or we did, we did get it, but we got nominated and it felt really good. And um, I remember I went to the awards and my buddy Yams was there with me and Man, I'm a, I'm a more memorable time, and it was, I, I still, you know what? I forget that it get, it's got. I I forget that it got nominated all the time. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, got nominated for an Eisner, um, and uh, it's always fun to say that I I lost to Tanahisi Coates. I think right. Uh, yeah, 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 that's yeah, a yeah, I did. quite epic person to lose it to. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> uh, now like whenever I meet him, I'm gonna have something to talk to him about. Be like, oh dude. You took my Eisner away from me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, a little bit more specific question for Extremity. Um, Jerome's weapon. Oh, yeah. What is that? It's like I stared at that for the longest time. Like, is that just a flat shovel? Is he like yeah. really leading a whole kick-ass army with just a regular flat shovel? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad you noticed that because like I kept – it's hard, man. Like when you do like any sort of like sci-fi fantasy like stories, it's like all the cool like weapon designs have been taken. So you're always trying to come up with that new thing. And it's basically like a, like a, a pizza, like a, like a pizza thing, you know, you, that you like go into like a, a oven, like a stone oven with, yes. but it's like metal. <laughs> I just figured like, man, that'd probably be pretty heavy. That'd be cool to draw. It's just very, <laughs> big shapes in contrast with like big wide open shapes with kind of my style of like detail and like wrinkles uh, is always a nice little contrast. So yeah, yeah that's kick ass. Um, <laughs> it, it was fun. He, he was going to have a bone, like just a big old jawbone uh, weapon with like a, like a, a handle, but um I just I don't know why I changed it. I think I just really wanted him to have a big ol. Yeah, it was like, it's like something. the less is more approach. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like this. Some this is hilarious. That's uh, awesome. I wish I could get back into my own head when I was like designing these characters. <laughs> totally. Do you uh, do you take any influence from Kevin Eastman? Oh man, I mean, 
maybe a little, but I haven't looked at his work enough to like honestly say, you know, Kevin has been an inspiration for me. Um, why, what, what makes you say that? I'm curious. It, it, you guys both have that Jack Kirby thick line. Like there's mm. like this kind of like a, uh, it, it, it's, you, there's some art that's pristine and there's no cuts to it or, you know, it's straight line, but you, you got these cool, like artistic strokes and things and like mm-hmm. really expressive, like, yeah. kinetic style. And yep. also your guys's process. Is, he's the only person I've ever seen that has a process sort of like you, where you do the, like you, how you do you do a script for yourself and then mm-hmm. you do thumbnails mm-hmm. and then you draw based on your thumbnails. I'm pretty sure that's yeah. what Kevin East. Okay. Okay. Um, that's awesome. Oh man. I didn't <laughs> think of that. and, uh, that's cool. It's interesting. Cause I, I, I talked to Kevin Eastman a few months ago and like, uh, it's, and it's also the kind of, it's, he had a team, right? He had him and Peter Laird. You're doing it kind of just solo dolo, both story. Like, so I was I was wondering if maybe that's the kind of I, I don't know maybe I just I was I was putting my own influence on what I was seeing, but that's cool. But and you know pizza slicer you know yeah there you <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay um, Sick. jumping into Murder Falcon I'm sure me and yes. Dave could talk all day about this this like he said earlier this book really resonated for both of us on so that's many awesome. personal levels. You I'm so glad. You, these are we are two adult males that wheeped <laughs> whilst reading this metal story where these guys are playing mute metal to fight monsters. <laughs> like it got to two points where we're like, this is sick. <laughs> and that only comes from a true fan of the music and the like right on. the absurd coolness that it entails. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys dug it. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Um, but yeah. The first question I had on it was, um, as soon as I opened the first book, before hmm. I even look at the first page, you have this, uh, the credits page is set up to look like a, a flyer, but on the top of it, it says every second Wednesday of the month. And it reminded me of when, <laughs> when me and Dave met, oh, yeah, we nights. used to, yeah. we met at an open mic night and there was a flyer oh. very similar to that one that said every Wednesday. And, and it's just, as soon as I opened the book, I was immediately thinking of my musical relationship with Dave before I even got to a page. Right. I was, that is awesome. I was curious if you, that was your idea or if that was a skybound design thing. So, uh, we gave that to, uh, we gave the design of the book to, um, uh, like an in-house person at, um, at Skybound. Uh, I believe her name was Karina. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm blanking. Now I need to figure that out because she did, she did such a great job. Hold on. I'm going to go to my email. Uh, I don't want to get this wrong. Uh, I don't, I, sorry. Yeah, I hope is, you don't mind. This is backstage pass right here. We're, we're, we're yeah, looking at the yeah. email. Uh, uh, oh man, that inbox, man, you get a lot of emails. <laughs> I do get a lot of emails. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> but it was still, yes, it was... yes, 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 yes. Karina. Okay. Karina, uh, Karina was the designer. Um, and, uh, I, I knew it, but I just needed to make sure. That's um, awesome. and she did a great job. She kind of made it look like a little bit like a flyer zine kind of vibe. And, uh, she was the one that put it up there. Uh, cool. so 
I, I can't I can't take credit for that. <laughs> well, like I said, it made me love the book before I even started reading it. That is awesome. Um, my next question on Murder Falcon: What was your favorite um, metal variant? <sighs> okay, probably Tyrell Cannons. Um, he did issue three. That was the bolt thrower cover. Yeah, that one. Um, that's kind of the deepest cut of them all. Oh, dude, it is a deep cut. And, well, I mean, for for metalheads, it's not deep at all, right? Like yeah. you would immediately know if you're a metalhead, but like, um, like I think the general, you know, metal public, you know, it's like, oh, what is that? I don't know what that is, you know. And that was really fun to like, kind of do like such a deep cut. And you know, if it's too deep a cut, Skybound would have been like, oh, I don't know about this one, but uh, like, I was like, this is happening. This this <laughs> album is happening. Uh, Bolt thrower uh, kicks ass. Yeah, it, it does. And if um, the uh, the logo, the Murder Falcon logo, that's like in the yeah, bolt thrower yeah. style. That was done. Hand, that was hand done by Tyrell. He wow. did that by hands. Yeah. Um, so he did a great job. I have the original. Nice. Um, I'm still figuring out where on my wall I'm going to put it. It's uh, so that's probably that's that's probably my favorite one. I love that one. I love the Rust in Peace one. That's sick. Oh, it's so good. Wasn't that we're, awesome? Yeah, we're big Megadeth fans, and yeah, so that one great. definitely hit home. It it's it's. <laughs> uh, we were also who who would your big four be if you had to choose your big four? So if it wasn't uh, yeah, like your personal, yeah, not like yeah, like in metal, yeah, yeah, yeah like you could throw a bolt thrower in there, anyone. Okay, all right. So like, just any, and it doesn't have to be like. Yeah. Some relative big nope. four, you know. No, it's you can your it can, big four. Yeah, all deep cuts if you want. Ah, oh, okay. Hmm. So first off, I'm gonna say this is more kind of '80s metal vibe, but Racer X. Okay. Um, that Paul Gilbert that was part of right. was part of a and Bruce Boulet, Billet, um, Billet, and um, the drummer for uh, Scott Travis, Scott Travis from yeah. um. Uh, Judas Priest. Yeah. Uh, he was he was part of Racer X for a while. Um, Heavily referenced in Murder Falcon. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So definitely, definitely Racer X. Okay, hold on. Let me think here. Uh, probably Metallica. I really love Metallica. You got to throw like, at least one of the original yeah, Big Four right. in your Big totally. Four. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I think for me personally, Converge. Uh, Converge okay. basically got me into extreme music. Um, I really, I still love them and I like their work ethic and I like how they just kind of do their own thing and they don't just, there's no compromises, you know, it's just part of their art and they just do it. And every time they do a record, I really love Converge for my fourth one. Oh man, gosh, <sighs> I'm going to look at my, hold on. I want to look at my uh, title account. While, <laughs> while you're looking, I'm going to tell yeah, a yeah. quick Racer X story. Um, yeah. So I was reading the first, when I was reading the first issue, and one of my favorite techniques in uh, comic books is when a writer uses a song to, mm. s- to sort of score a scene. And whenever I see that, I immediately stop reading, put the song on, and let it, and let it rock. So when I saw the two Racer X songs kind of lined up in a certain way, I I placed them together to where they would sound like they did in the book, and it it made that scene like one of my favorite scenes in the book. And um, that is awesome. That particular song, Sunlit Nights, um, I love it. And after I read the book, I was just so stuck on it that I went and, <laughs> I went and learned it, and I'm playing it. And um, 
I'm learning it. Everything's going good, and I'm feeling confident. You know, there's that one little lick in the course that's kind of tricky. So weird that they like throw that. It's like, it's like way too many notes yeah, for it to yeah, be like a it's, chorus. It's like. a total like guitar flex out of nowhere. Yeah. But, like during the chorus. Like yeah. During the vocals. Yeah. So things are going good. And then I'm like, get to the solo and the tab. And I'm like, oh, I'll try it. And then before I know it, I'm like on the ground basically crying because I just tried to learn a Paul Gilbert solo. And I just yes. didn't even like see how silly of an idea that was. Like, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> Um, you know, it's so funny. Like you may have heard this in other interviews, but I'll tell it. Um, you can stop me if you've heard it before. No, go ahead. I did, this is, uh, 2019, summer 2019, maybe fall or spring, whatever. Paul Gilbert was doing a tour. He was touring one of his new records cause he has like a solo career now. And he was doing like a VIP fan experience where, you know, you get a pick, you get like a t-shirt, you get to meet him and take a photo. And so of course I paid, it, it was like 50 Sick. bucks or something. Nice. You know? Yeah. I had to, you know, I was like, when, when am I going to get to meet my hero like this? It was at this uh, club in Chicago, Reggie's rock club, one of the dankiest clubs you could ever think of, but man, some great shows were there. Uh, and so we're all in line to like shake Paul's hand and get something autographed, you know? And so I go up to Paul and I had brought, issue one of murder Falcon with me. And I was like, yo, Paul, thank you so much for all of your music. Like without racer X, without your guitar playing, like I don't think murder Falcon would have existed. You know, I wrote and drew this This is my comic. And actually, if you look right here, it's your song sunlit light nights that the characters are listening to in the background. And just thank you so much. I'm just like laying my heart out to this guy. And I like finally finished. He's like, what? <laughs> he's like he's like i'm sorry i'm like partially deaf uh, my kid loves the hulk <laughs> oh my gosh that's a great story yeah that's funny a, yeah really sweet guy he just like did not hear anything that i said i was like have a great day oh, love you man <laughs> get a take two on it you get a take two you get to do it. let me let me rephrase that yeah um no it was just uh it was great. You know, and the show was amazing and it was a good night. That was a story for the ages. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, that, you know, and it's just funny. Like I remember I was going through, cause I was going through a really rough time when uh, I was like first exposed to like racer X, which was maybe like three years before like murder Falcon right. really came out. You know, and I had heard like the eighties bands, which has a little bit of the guitar virtuoso stuff and some really solid songwriting, but like, I hadn't really heard the kind of bands from the eighties that like where it was like all a flex, you know, yeah. like, um, like you're listening to these choruses. It's like, wow, they're playing way too many notes right now. He's and I basically love it. soloing during the chorus. <laughs> 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 it's fantastic. And I just like, just thought it was so much fun. And there's that brazenness and that kind of openness and just willingness to just go whole full Monty, just, uh, not no no looking back that kind of gave me some of the confidence to just just you know try and do my very best with murder falcon so so there's a ton of that vibe in in the pages for sure uh that paul yeah. gilbert story is great it kind of leads me to a question that i wanted to ask with sure. all the uh metal bands and wrestlers that you reference in your comic books have you <laughs> have you ever had one of them come back to you and you know what I mean? Like a band reach out to you and be like, I was reading this book and, and you, or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I had a really cool interaction with, um, 
the band Chemis. Um, they're like a doom metal band. I think they're out of uh, Colorado. And um, the one of the guitarists, I believe his name is Ben. He's a big comic book fan. And he saw that uh, one of the back patches on the Murder Falcon characters had a Chemis, you know, back patch. And so I think like maybe we messaged on like, Twitter or Instagram, we somehow connected. He's like, this is so cool. And actually, was it what when they came to Chicago, they played in Chicago, and uh, they like invited us backstage. We got to hang out for a little bit. And, awesome. Uh, that was that was great. It was really fun, and that was also at Reggie's. And if you can believe it, the green room was dankier than the actual <laughs> venue itself. That's believable. Um, yeah, it's believable. Yeah. We've played some venues in Chicago, so we we know how the Chicago green rooms can be. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, I don't know if you guys know this band. This um, uh, this band called Helms Ali. Um, they're they're like a, another kind of doomy band, but there's a guy. The guitar player in the band, I think he's the guitar player. He makes amps. They're called Varellen. Um, they're like super, like, like super, like you know, handmade. Really sweet, very expensive, you know. But they're awesome, awesome amps. And I put a Varellen amp on top of the um, uh, aircraft carrier in issue eight, and I yeah, got like this yeah. random tweet or like Instagram, like, dude. I've always wanted to be in a comic book. And it was that guy who was like the, the amp builder. He's like, this is so cool. That's awesome. He, did he send you a free amp? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, no way. That's like, his amps are like $4,000. Um, and they're they're worth every penny. But uh, I was like, dude, you know, let me know when you're in Chicago. We got to hang out. I love your music. Your amps are so cool. Hell yeah. Um, and as far as the wrestlers go, I had a really awesome interaction with um, Christopher Daniels. Do you, do you guys know who that is? I've heard of him. Yeah. He's, he's, he was in, he was like, you know, he was, he's been all over the place, but he's a great wrestler and a uh, really cool guy. And we met at a bar in C2E2, but C2E2 before the pandemic. And, um, I we got introduced by somebody. I don't remember how, but we're hanging out, having a beer at the bar. And he's like, Oh, that's so cool, man. It's like, what do you do? And I was like, Oh, I write and draw comic books. You know, he's like, Oh, wait a minute you're Daniel, you're working on Wonder Woman, aren't you? And I was like, oh, I am. Yeah. He's like, dude, because we have this local shop challengers in Chicago and he goes there. He's friends with the, the owners. He goes there every time he's in Chicago and they forced him to buy this Wonder Woman comic. Because <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'm most, mostly a Marvel guy. You know, like, I didn't want to buy any DC comics, but Patrick forced me to buy this. <laughs> and then when issue, so we, we connect, we had a great chat. And then when issue three came out, which was like dead middle of the pandemic in the summertime, he emailed me and he was like, dude, just read issue three of wonder woman. That's just so good, man. Hope you're doing well, man. Stay safe. And I was like, I'm a fan forever. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Christopher Daniels. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been, there's been a few times where, um, and he's part of a tag team called SCU and you can see an SCU yeah, poster yeah. In, Beta in Beta Ray, Ray Bill. Bill. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's a good question. Yeah, this is great. I love making connections like that. It's really, really special. Still on the topic of Murder Falcon, um, in issue two, there's a moment. Uh, I'm not sure how you say his name. Johan, the bass player? Johan, yeah. Yo- uh, Johan, okay. Um, there's a moment where when he gets his uh, his bass and he's trying to play it, and Jake tells him, "What's do you remember the first song we learned? And they start mm. they start playing Painkiller by Judas Priest. 
I'm, I was curious, uh, is that the first song that you learned, or did you learn that in a band with someone? Is there a reason that you used that song in that moment? Uh, I think mostly because the riff is so awesome. Totally. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there was any other reason other than, like, I get so pumped up when I hear that song. It's just, like, such an instant classic. I mean, it, it's like... And it's like bone rattling. It's and I love how like harsh the guitar sound is in it. The drums like too. Are, the drums like shake your skull as soon as it starts. <laughs> yeah, they kind of like sound like they were recorded in like an airplane hangar or something. You know, totally. like they're just so epic. And I just partly is I was trying to find a song that would work well with the scene of like of murder falcon riding this mastodon yeah um and i was like what, what would be better than painkillers so that's actually the reason why i picked it because it's like this song would go perfectly with this action scene <laughs> is that kind of what fed the name halford uh yes 100 <laughs> yeah also, I have a uh, when they get the videotape and they're watching the the when they get the VHS and they're watching it, there, <laughs> there's that like hot licks like style like uh, tab on the bottom. Yep, yep. What what's that too? I tried playing it. I'm like I don't I don't I don't recognize it. I'm playing it wrong. Oh, yeah, we were on the phone. I, like it doesn't sound right. Like <laughs> it was just a riff that I randomly wrote for the comic. Like I just like made it up. Um, and I actually had a few people on like social media do like different versions of it. One guy did it on a bass. One guy did yeah. it on a guitar. Some did it fast. Some did it slow. One guy did it to like a drum track. It was awesome. Nice. <laughs> I, 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 I think I'm the first, I'm, I'm probably not, but how cool would it be if I was the first person to put a guitar tab in a guitar, in a comic book? <laughs> It'd be fairly epic. Definitely so cool. one of one of a handful, right? Yeah. Yes. There you go. Sort of uh, like one more Murder Falcon question because I don't want to harp on it too long. I want to get to, I want to get to Beta Ray Bill. Um, in the chat for Beta Ray Bill issue one, I think somebody had asked you who would you have do the voice of Murph in a Murder Falcon movie, and you mentioned sure. that. They might get to hear that soon. Can you tell us oh. anything more about that? Bum, or were bum, you just teasing? Bum. Were you just teasing when you said that? So I was not lying. Um, but <laughs> I'm man, I'm not at liberty to te- say ah, anything okay, okay. on the air. On the air. Ask me when we're off the air. Totally right. totally fair. I got well before we leave Murder Falcon, I have a couple questions on it. Um music uh, besides like a like visually, like there's definitely the bands in reference in Murder Falcon. Was there any like, like uh, comics that were music related that related to like use as reference to it? Like, uh, was Fully Cooley of any interest to you in laying out Murder Falcon or uh, or Scott Pilgrim or anything like that? So I really liked both those things, and I actually watched Fully Cooley to make sure I wasn't like accidentally stealing from it. Oh no, shit. <laughs> That's a crazy um, show. It is crazy. It's crazier than Murder Falcon. You know, it gets wild. And <laughs> it is super wild. Yeah, because it was so crazy, and because that bass, that Rickenbacker bass, is so prevalent right. in like and on all the DVDs. It's like, oh, does she play that bass? And just like, you know, does she yeah. have like a person? But it it was very clear that that was not the case. That was. Yeah. I mostly watched Fooly Cooly because I I just was like making sure I wasn't like you know accidentally taking anything. And then as far as um, Scott Pilgrim, 
I really liked the, um, I really liked the kind of just like this happens because it happens element. Right. Um, and I did, I, I've, I had read that series like twice over by the time, like I had, uh, written murder Falcon and there is something very different about it. So I can't really say that I like actually like used his reference. Um, cause even then, like the, the visuals are very playful, right. but like, and at no point really is there like, like avatars that come, you know, in like, insofar as like, uh, with, I have them right up there, Scott Pilgrim. Um, so I, cause if the whole kind of feeling of the murder Falcon felt kind of like an anime, you yeah. know, like, yeah, I was yeah. like, man, I, I feel like this should exist somewhere. And I'm sure it does in some way, but like, it's basically like power Rangers, but with guitars. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Was it, did, did you always know it was going to wrap up with Dio? Like spoilers for anyone who's listening, but no, like... that's okay. I mean, it's been long enough. Uh, yeah. So it's it's I can't officially say that it's Wink Dio. You know. Oh, oh, uh, that's right, that's right. Fair, fair, yeah, no, but very, the fact that very fair, very fair. the fact that you just like pulled that, you know, that was the goal. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, but that was like the earlier. You have like a couple tears. Yeah, that, that moment was the like they start pouring out. Yeah, like, <laughs> I think you know um, I love his music so much, and he seemed like you know obviously like all I have are like scouring the internet YouTube videos of in, you know, interviews he's done and all over the internet, and he just seemed like such a positive person. Right. It just felt like you know he's such he was like such a figurehead. It just felt like such a a uh, good way to go out. Um. I remember I specifically did not ask Skybound for permission. Nice. <laughs> Breaking the law. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but for those listening, it was it is definitely not Dio. <laughs> <laughs> Some random guy with a triangle haircut. Yeah. <laughs> um also before I got one more one more murdery falcon question before we move on. Um so you you claim to not be a musician, and you put these videos up of you just shredding. And there's one on Instagram. <laughs> there's one on Instagram of you playing over. It's just like a drone note, right? It's just like, and you you're doing this really rad melodic thing, and it's like right that's on. very musical. That's, he's saying he's not music, but that's very. It's not just guitar fiddling. It's very well thought. <laughs> and then you get to the shreddy bit, but it 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 has this contour in in like all these elements of music which most just guitar fiddlers don't have. So sure. music, it's, it's, you are very much a musician, though oh, right you claim <laughs> not to be. But my question is, how much of like the musical elements do you find in drawing? Or is there, like a, is there a comparison between the two, do you, uh, do you feel? I think maybe in the term of like how I approach my craft, right. um, where, you know, like the actual art forms, kind of like you guys were saying a little bit, like, coming up with an idea, taking it from start to finish, needing to have something more than just like a cool riff to right. finish something, um, to have some sort of story or, or, or deeper push behind it. Um, you know, I think that's, that's very true. Um, I, th- cause as much as I love playing to a metronome, like it can't be my whole like musical <laughs> yeah. endeavor, you know? Um, but I know for me, at least music has been, a the reason I hesitate to call myself a musician is because I feel like that has like an air of like 
professionalism to it, you know, like I don't do it for a living. And one thing that I found, you know, when I started making rent money or paying rent with like comic books is, you know, life just kind of, I still really love what I do. I'm so thankful, but like because I'm doing an art form as that that I'm getting paid for, you know, I I don't like to say that I'm like compromising, but Mm -hmm. like, it just, you know, there's an air of like, what is the word? Like, okay, like before I, when I was a teacher, right, like I would draw for fun in like my sketchbook. And that was like, a that was like something that I did that like brought me joy, almost like an escape, you know? Right. And any sort of projects that I would do would be kind of like small scale or like, you know, pretty low, low five vibe, you know? And now, you know, I wake up in the morning and if I don't feel like drawing, well, that's too damn bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, you gotta, get, you know, keep going and. 99% of all days are awesome, but it's just any, with any job, For sure. you know, you go to the desk and you're like, this sucks. <laughs> and there are some days where like, you know, maybe the day is not terrible, but like I, what I'm drawing is I'm not feeling it and it's just nothing seems right. And I have to like, just finish it and be okay with the fact that it's not perfect in my eyes. And, um, you know, I'm getting better and better at like, moving on with my day and like turning out the lights in the office and going and doing something else. But music has kind of filled that like creative, uh, uh, Mm. freedom that I have kind of lost a little bit with like drawing for a living. Um, so when I work on like music projects, they're like kind of very chill and, um, I am a bit of a gear hound, which, you know, is no good, but uh, it's kind of taken the place. Like I remember I would used to buy like Copic markers, you know, and I was like my thing, you know, and now I buy guitar pedals. <laughs> uh, but like, so music has definitely kind of taken that place for me of like kind of an escapist kind of, Gotcha. I love to do it and it's so special and I want to keep it that way. So uh that being said, you know, I'm like slowly working on my little concept album, you know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Shred, yeah shredded to death, kicked ass. Right. Dude. For sure. Oh my God. I I have this like kind of um when it comes to like making new things, especially when I don't know what I'm doing, like with when I worked on Space Bullet, I just kind of ball myself up and just kind of throw myself at it, mm. warts it all. And yeah. like I had no idea how to mix. I literally the day I made the first track, I was like, oh. Hard pan guitars, right and left. Cool, I'll try that. <laughs> Did you program the drums on that? Yeah, we were trying to figure that out. I had uh, Easy Drummer, Easy Drummer Two. Oh, okay, oh. okay. I remember so, like, when I do that came like out. the little, yeah, yeah, like the little tap to find feature. I'm like, I want some double bass. <laughs> and um, I got like a little, um, like a little MIDI keyboard, so I could like kind. Of, so what I would do is like, this is in, this is in what's the what's not logic a garage band yeah. right like a freaking garage band you know <laughs> i'm like trying to play with midi in garage band which right. is like does not want to be played with <laughs> and uh just trying to fudge my way through it and i did a little bit and i listened to that now and i'm like oh my god <laughs> uh, <laughs> um and then like as the tracks progress you get a little better and a little better so um but it was cool about that. It's like, I was like, I'm going to do this. Right. And then I was like, wow, okay, I have to do this. I have no idea how I just kind of threw myself at it and did my best. The speak on, I showed that I have a friend who runs a studio and I showed him your tracks and he's like, I like how those programmed drums aren't impossible. Most guitarists <laughs> that pro- program drums do something that can't be played. So that, sure. that also speaks on your musicality, even like 
so much of any creative thing is learning and going into it and accepting failure in a way that yes. helps you aid on forward. And a lot of people fail and they just let their the, the head first in the face or face first in the right. sand and don't move. Um, and, and I, that's one thing, like, I was kind of embarrassed that I had to do program drums, um, which I guess is silly to say, but yeah. it's just like, I didn't know any drummers and right. I don't have the money necessarily to like throw it like a drum, like making tracks that you can download for free. Like, what am I going to like pay a drummer $500 to like track these, like, or one, you know, if you're right. like, doing like a pro drummer session, you know, it's like, no way. And then I get to get these raw drum files and I'm not going to have any idea what to do with, you know? <laughs> So I'm just trying to play to my strengths as best I can and make something that's fun. Well, that's, it's important because that's how you build those weaknesses is playing the strengths. And like, yes, it's interesting with art or music. A lot of people, a lot of like, when we talk about, or when we look at language, if a baby tries (laughs) to talk, everyone's like, Oh my God, that's so cute. It almost said the word mom. And like, if you, (laughs) if you like draw a house that is just the lines and the thing and they're like, this don't give up your day job. You know what I mean? Like, and it's it's interesting that we don't accept that learning later on with sure. other creative endeavors. So that's a good point. Perseverance and in, in going through that is such an important skill set and discipline to learn. And I'm gonna yeah, try to turn this into Beta Ray Bill. So, cool. <laughs> so, um, real quick before we get to Beta Ray Bill, I wanted to mention uh, your Batman story that you did. Oh yeah, that was rad. How was right it? How was it getting to do Batman? Is he a character that you have a particular affinity for? I mean, I've always loved Batman, and some his stories were some of the first ones that I ever really ingested, like as a comic book reader as a kid. Um, and uh, you know, I so I really love his stuff. I really love Batman's stuff, uh, but you know, I've never really had an idea that. I could call like I would feel like comfortable pitching to DC because it's like shoot you know talk about a shadow. So did they you know, did they approach you for that? I mentioned that I wanted to do it. I remember I mentioned to my editor Andy Curry that I was working with on Wonder Woman. I was like, hey, is it true you guys are doing a black and white <laughs> Batman story? And he's like, yeah, why? I was like, I want to be in that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I basically like I was like, could you get me in that? I want to do that. <laughs> He's like, let me see. So I, he fit me in. Uh, thank you, Andy. Yeah, it's a cool story for our listeners. Uh, DC is doing a black and white Batman series where each issue has a few different uh, stories by different creators, and Daniel got one in issue four. And I thought it was a really, really great story. Thank you. It was really fun. Um, I realize now just how difficult chess pieces are to draw. Never again. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> yeah, I never thought about it. They're little pieces, you know, they got the detail. It's like um, drawing plates at a dinner table. Oh, God. Uh (laughs) It's terrible. So I like most of the time when you see like somebody, people eating in comics, like the the table is like right at eye level. So you don't have to draw like those plates (laughs) like from above, like with a slight ellipse. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> I've never thought about those little things like that, though. There's little, like, you know, drawing hands is hard, but, like, yep. That's what I find so interesting about your director's cuts that you do, because you get this unique perspective of not just drawing, but writing and just the yeah. whole comic book process. You really kind of show it all. I think that's really cool. Right on. Did, um, um, going to, because being homeschooled, is that kind of what brought you down to handle all this yourself? You know, to be like writing mm. and like, 
because that's a that's a deep trait that comes from you know, not everyone takes on that burden and sure. like is it is, i don't know where i'm going with that but where'd that kind of come from that work effort to be able to pull both together like i i think mostly uh i i was so lazy growing up like homeschooling you know i was like i was like the pj pants loser kid <laughs> like who was like not getting enough work done um totally took advantage of that system uh but you know, I remember um, when I was about to grow. So when you do homeschooling, it's different in every state, but you need to show the state that you are actually learning stuff. And right. um, there's usually uh, like each state has like a way for you to submit your like credits so that you can get your you know high school diploma. And I remember I was working towards that, but I was, again, being kind of a lazy ass and my parents were like, yo, Dan, like you got to get your act together. Also, you're not going to graduate. And I was like, oh, well, you know, and they're like this other kid that, you know, he's, you know, he's not going to graduate this year. He's like taking a year off. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to take a year off. And they're like, okay, well, you got to get your act together. I was like, okay, fine. And I did. And like, I got my ass in gear and it's always been the threat of failure that has mm. helped me okay. be the most productive. So I think, you know, when I first started doing comics and like, I really started getting a taste of it after doing space mullet for a little while, you know, I was going like, I was doing everything I could to make money after I, I quit my teaching job. And I was so miserable at the job that I was like, man, I never want to have to go back to that. So I better be successful at this. Right. <laughs> um, so there was that threat of failure again. And then um, after I had kind of gotten more of a taste of working in the industry after the ghost fleet, I was like, you know, I really, I really loved my time on the ghost fleet. Um, and, you know, I, then I, I, I got a job with Dark Horse doing this book called Alabaster, which was a tough project. And, um, you know, I, it wasn't like, it wasn't like teaching, but I was like, man, if I keep doing projects like this all the time, which, you know, when you're just an artist, it's mm -hmm. kind of hard to like, you know, it's like, you kind of have to get what's offered to you. You need to have somebody that's going to be a writer, you know, yeah. you're not necessarily, I mean, you are in a in a way, but you're not necessarily in control of your own kind of direction and forward motion, if that makes sense. And I was like, man, I really, I don't want to have to be beholden to other writers, honestly, to, uh, you know, have a career. So, and I was like the threat of failure, uh, kind of like needing to get my button gear. Cause I'd always kind of wanted to do more writing and drawing on my own. And it, it was during the last few issues of Alabaster that I made the pitch for Extremity. Um, and uh, before I was done with the series, actually, I pitched it to Skybound. And um, they were like, yeah, let's do it. And I was going to, I was like, okay, that's going to be my next project. Throwing yourself yeah. in it. And it was a, it's like the DIY metal attitude. <laughs> Just well, can't fuck up. We got to get it right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and and there are mistakes that I I made along the way when it came to like the creative process, but I feel overall, you know, every project is going to have kinks and, you know, right. There's no perfect project, so it was like, well, I better just start getting it done and it's funny, I remember I was talking with somebody where I said like they were asking for comic book advice as writer and artist to get, like one unit yeah. person. And I was like, "Oh, kill your darlings." And they're like, what do you mean by that? I was like, you just have to kill 
you have to kill the projects you care about and just do them. So, and they're going to suck and then they're going to die. Like, like, cause you know, you do them and then they're dead. And like your darling, this thing you've held onto, it's like, it's like, I want to make sure that this is a perfect time for this one story to, you know, where everything's right. And I draw it perfectly. And like, it doesn't exist. It's going to suck. Especially if it's your first thing, kill it. That's, and that's not what kill your dogs means at all. <laughs> that's beautiful though. That's, that, that's so true. You just got to do it and commit to it and let it fail. So you can do it right the next time that's so badass and like the most metal advice i think i've ever heard from anybody <laughs> Kill your or at least yeah at least more writer not quite right but like because every project has it's like kinks and i'm like ugh, ugh. but the more projects you do that where you have that attitude the easier it is to get things done because you're like right. when you do mess up and things don't turn out exactly the way you want you're like well okay, life will go on because i've done this before and i finish it and then you move on to the next thing and uh yeah, the creative process. Right, right. Now, the yeah. turn into Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. Right, so, right, yeah, right. Definitely want to jump into Ray, Beta Ray Bill because uh, we want to be respectful of your time. And that's, right that's the kick-ass project that's happening right now, so we want to talk yeah. about it. Um, okay. Issue 3 came out a few weeks ago. Issue 4 comes out in a few weeks, so spoilers for anyone that hasn't read these books. But uh, my first question was issue one. Um, I heard in an interview you talking about Dead Earth. You said that mm. the only thing DC told you not to do was no sex, <laughs> and then you get to Beta Ray Bill and you just first issue you you like we got to put the sex in now. <laughs> um, that was funny. They told me that because I think because of Bat Batman Dick. Yeah, and yeah, Batman yeah. Damn. And the whole company was like completely this one penis had just like completely <laughs> shell shocked the entire company. Um and uh it's just hilarious. So it's like yeah, the one note I got before I wrote even a sentence. But um with Beta Ray Bill, you know, I was the original pitch was that because this wasn't originally going to be in any way connected to Donnie Cates's Thor yeah. run. I pitched it years before he was starting to write it. Or like I basically cold called, cold called, emailed Will, my editor, uh, who I knew was working on the Thor universe. And I was like, hey, Will, I really want to drop Beta Ray Bill. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, OK, cool. I'll let you know. <laughs> and uh, no, but he was cool. He was like he called me like a week later or something. And he's like, hey, so, you know, I'd love to do a Beta Ray Bill story, but I don't think that it's going to sell to be totally honest. And I was like, okay, I appreciate the honesty. And we kept in contact, but I was basically like, I really want to do a story kind of about like self-love with bill and like what he looks like. And I think that'd be really fun. And he's like, okay, cool. And the original pitch was that bill has a girlfriend that was not going to be any sort of like name in the Marvel universe. And he was going to have gone clubbing on a double date with Thor and his girlfriend. And Thor was going to get really drunk and accidentally sleep with his girlfriend and Beta Ray Bill's girlfriend. <laughs> and, like, yeah. and, uh, and like Bill was going to be like, what have you done? How could you do this? And Thor's going to be like, Oh, I had too much to drink, man. Sorry. Chill. <laughs> My bad. Uh, yeah. And like Marvel was like legitimately worried about throwing, uh, Thor under the bus like so hard like Thor like being such an insane dick <laughs> um so like I remember we went back and forth on it a few times and then I remembered that like Bill can't transform into his human form without you know Stormbreaker and mm -hmm. uh Stormbreaker had broken they, they like when I first like was thinking about it they sent me all of the books that Donnie was writing um 
Yeah, because you're re- like, you're referenced in one of them. Yeah. Uh, wait. I, oh, I am. Yeah, I think that Dan's Bar and Grill. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. <laughs> so it's funny when I did it when I drew uh, uh, this grill or this this bar. Yeah. I made a Don's Bar and Grill in Beta Ray Bill. I think issue <laughs> yeah. two. Yeah, issue two. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> um, but so you know, the, it all kind of worked out perfectly, you know, because. When I was thinking of this Beta Ray Bill idea with the threesome, the accidental threesome, this was before I actually worked on Wonder Woman. Mm. Um, so I was like playing with this idea in my head, not sure. I see. I not, thought I thought it was one of those things where they're like, you don't want to do something until you're told you can't do it. <laughs> right. Right. No, it was more like I just like what would fit best in the story. And um, but, you know, to Marvel's credit, you know, like we figured something out that really I feel worked within the context of yeah, the it universe. Was, it was amazing. I totally didn't see that coming with the – Yeah. The, it was like the classic bait and switch of a first issue. Yeah. Like that was a knockout first issue. Thank you. I love how Mar- Marvel allowed me to have a little pillow talk in a Beta Ray Bill comic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also the way that I wrote it too, you know, I was trying to save face for um, – For Sif. For – Yeah. Because I, I like, you know, I didn't want her to come off like a crazy, like unfeeling person. And uh, I didn't want her to come off as like an un- unfeeling person. So if you actually read the scene, like Sif is like trying to say something and like Bill like kind of cuts her off. And he doesn't really allow her to like express herself. He just kind of walks out. And um, so you don't actually know what Sif was going to have said. Like Bill is kind of like putting it all on himself before she even has a chance like, Hey, let me, let's talk about this. Let's be healthy about this. And he's just like, no, I don't, I, I'm not blind. He like walks yeah. out, which is like, I feel like a lot of us would do. Exactly. But, yeah. Uh, As someone who's <laughs> been in that moment, that's usually how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, it's a lot of times it's more about the self rather than the other. So, uh, thank you, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like, uh, getting to interview Walt Simonson and kind of like pick up his whole torch? Is he a big influence on you? A huge influence on me. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I wanted so bad to like meet him like over Skype or something. And yeah. they're like, it's going to be an email interview. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to meet him once at New York comic con where he was very, he very kindly was trying to go to the bathroom and I was like, Oh, I have a book. He's like, okay, really quick. <laughs> uh, he signed it really fast and, uh, he was awesome. But, um, it was really cool. I got to ask him all these questions that I'd have always wanted to ask him and to have kind of to be it, to it, to be in like the official Marvel capacity, you know, that was really special. And I love his answers too. You know, he's like, comics are hard. Deal with it. (laughs) He's such a, he's such a wise man. (laughs) Yeah. And like also his kind of, you know, cause with his time in uh, New York, you know, with those legends, you know, like Bernie Wrightson and, all those people that, you know, I can just only imagine what it was like to be in like New York city, just like being in this creative space where like, there's like no walls seemingly just like whatever your hand can make is going to like make it onto the printed page. I just thought that was so cool. And, uh, I, I, sometimes I, I don't in any way equate myself on that level, but like sometimes I feel that way when I meet, with especially like before the pandemic when you're hanging out with specific creators and you're kind of like looking at their work and you're like, wow, like there's a really good chance 
that you're going to be written about in some random magazine in like mm-hmm. 20 years, 30 years, you know, not me, but like the person I was sitting with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause you get a sense of like who is just legends already, you know? So it's, it's cool. It's cool. I'm jumping into issue two of beta Ray bill. Yeah. You got the classic scuttlebutt spread in the beginning oh, yeah. there. Um, yeah. I was really curious. There's a spread in extremity issue five. That's that's very similar to the one in Beta Ray Bill. I think uh, the character's name is Thea. She's she's going upstairs to yep. talk to Jerome, and it's the same thing where you get the scale of their. I think it's a castle, not a ship. Yep. But it's the same sort of thing, and it reminded me of like when you see a, a guitar player play a lick, and you're like, "Yeah, mm. that sounds cool." And then you see them a couple years later, and they're just like shredding that set. You're like, "Whoa, that's that lick you did before, but it's way cooler now." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've kind of evolved and like yeah. added maybe a little more spice to it or whatever. Yeah, I feel you. That's awesome. Was that? Am I in the right direction? Were you kind of bouncing from that one you did before? I think. Um, you know, it's funny. Like. A lot of times when I finish a project, I just kind of leave it in the dust. Like I, I, I like I fin like I remember finishing issue twelve of Extremity on Friday, and then literally on Saturday I got on a plane to Ireland and like took a vacation with my <laughs> wife, um, and I like never thought about it again. Um, sometimes I do, but like I when I was started that spread, I like totally forgot that I had done like another like cutaway. <laughs> um, because what was inspiring me this time, so the cutaway was in Extremity One was more or less like trying to show like a it was like a storytelling thing because like that castle is so prevalent in the whole visual narrative of the story, you know, like it yeah. shows up in the beginning, it's in the middle, it's in the end. Um, so it was kind of like a like it was it was and like I wanted a uh, this moment of kind of like reflectiveness with the uh, kind of like hanging out with their dad. Totally. Um, whereas in beta Ray bill, it was mostly just like a flex. <laughs> like there's no reason. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm saying. That's what I yeah, mean. There's like <laughs> no reason for there to be him like, it's, like a two page spread of him walking from one end of the <laughs> ship to the other. It's completely ridiculous. It's and the, like, it's the live Paul Gilbert solo where he's yeah, extending oh, the notes. <laughs> yeah, totally. And like, I was mostly like, just wanted to have a ton of fun and do something so over the top. Like, no other Marvel comic is going to do this. Nobody's yeah. going to spend the time. And like that shit took me forever. <laughs> Find a way to sneak Murph in there. Yeah. There's yep, so many I little did. details in that. One, uh, yep. one of the details I liked was, um, you, you had the ping pong thing earlier in the issue, but there was a yep. room in the spread with these pinball machines. Do you have a, do you have a connection to pinball? Um, I have no connection to pinball whatsoever. Nice. I just thought it would be fun to throw it. <laughs> That's awesome. There's a shop around here. They sell comics, but they're more of a pinball shop. And my friend works awesome. there, and he he loved that little detail that really spoke to him. That's great. Awesome. Um, as far as uh, issue three, there's a part where Scourge is crying. Uh, yeah, and he's saying so beautiful. Was that I? I might be totally off on this, but is that a reference to the Shia LaBeouf meme where Shia's like in the theater crying and he's like so beautiful? Oh gosh, no. You know, no, you, you no know, do you about... know which one I'm talking about? No, I'm like so not internet savvy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that that might have been like a little reference. He he's doing the sort of same thing that Shia pulls off in this 
thing. Oh, that's hilarious. I uh, mean, Shia LaBeouf was a huge part of my childhood with like, it was it even Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Every day. <laughs> I wanted to shout out Mike Spicer too on issue three. He's just, I mean, every, every issue of beta Ray bill, he's been really killing it. But issue three with the, with the, uh, with the ax, the colors on the ax. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so insane. great. He is there. There were some like, like there were some like, uh, panels in issue three that just like, you know, I, I do my very best in the black and white line art, you know, and, and I'm like, man, I think this looks pretty good. And then Mike just like elevated them just kind of like took my breath away. You know, I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is so good. Uh, I feel very lucky to have him working on my stuff. So thank you, Mike. He's a very talented guy. Yeah. You guys have a great sort of like almost musical relationship where it's like a bouncing off of each other. Yeah. And it's so funny. Like I, I give him virtually no notes. Like I think <laughs> when I sent him the files, I was like, this happens. This is like the fire issue. There's a lot of lava. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, and I, I was like, I think I may have told him that like I wanted the axe to be like along the same lines color wise of as like scuttlebutt, but I was like, other than that, you know, go to town. And then I'm like maybe asking for like three or four changes throughout the whole book. You know, it's like it's crazy. He's so good. Yeah, he's also been killing it on uh swamp thing over at DC. Yeah. Man, I'm so glad he's got work. Uh, <laughs> he's the best. Um, to kind of wrap things up, I I think we have like a few sort of like random, more lightning round type of questions. If you want to get into them, um, let's do it. I love lightning round stuff. Uh, uh, you have these kick-ass names in your comic books. You everything you name always has the most kick-ass name, even if it's only <laughs> on a page for one page. I was curious. <laughs> do you name your guitars? Oh, good question. I don't. Um. I just have never. You gotta you know, save them for the comic book names. Yeah, yeah, I got. Yeah, anytime I I think of a cool name, I'm like, I write it down. I'm like, it goes in the comic book. <laughs> um, if you could do a comic book with a crossover with uh one wrestler, one metal band, and one comic book character, who would you pick? Oh man, probably Kenny Omega because he's one of my faves. Um, as wrestler wise, uh, I would love to do. My favorite band of all time is this random band from uh, uh, the uh, Tooth and Nail days, uh, like the early 2000s, called Me Without You. Okay. Uh, and um, and the last one, uh, favorite hero. Oh, gosh, dude. Oh, favorite hero. Uh, maybe. Oh, frick. I love Archangel. I love drawing Archangel, so uh, nice. maybe him. <laughs> <laughs> um. Have you ever done any art for bands? Like, I, I know early in your career you did a little bit stuff that wasn't comic books. Have you ever done any sort of, like, stuff like that? Um, I did one. I did one album cover for a guy in so South America. Whoa. Uh, but I don't, like, it was very early on. Like, really, I, I think I charged, I'm gonna like, a hundred bucks. I'm going to have to hunt bucks. that down. You could look it up. It's called... Uh, he, uh, I think the band, uh, the it's like a hip hop guy. His name was Spitta. Nice. S S P I T T A H. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I did one record for him. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> one, one record cover. I think I charged like a hundred bucks. <laughs> Sweet. And 
Yeah. Other than that, though, no art for bands. That's cool. Um, I was recently listening to an interview with Joe Quesada, editor-in-chief mm. at Marvel, and um, he was asked what who some of his favorite up and com- or his favorite artists that are like popping off right now. And he mentioned your name and he said that, Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he said that you had just signed on to do another Marvel book after beta Ray bill. And I'm not trying to prod you on that, but no, I, was, that's cool. I was just curious if, uh, if you would ever be interested in signing an exclusive with Marvel or do you more prefer being able to bounce between your creative creator own books and that? Oh man. Man, when was this interview? It was uh, it was on this week in Marvel. They're, they're like main. Po- they actually they had like a 500th episode, so they had like a bunch of okay sort of promotional style interviews, and that was oh, man. Joe's interview. And yeah, you were one of the first people he mentioned. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Joe. Um, man, I don't know what he's talking about uh, when it comes like I, I honestly don't. I haven't signed on to do anything new at Marvel. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Talk to me, Joe. Let's, let's work something out. Uh, maybe, maybe it's the other Daniel Warren Johnson. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, when it comes to, like, exclusive stuff, I'm not necessarily opposed to it. I mean, I do kind of like the freedom of, like, kind of bouncing around. Um, but, you know, oh, man, how do I say this? The price would have to be that's right. What I, that's what I figured. It's all in the yeah. details. I don't want to say I don't want to sound like a, a dick or anything. But no, like, totally. It'd be it'd be a completely different pace of work. So it'd have to it have to be a a different sort of thing. It has know? to be the right project. It would have to be the right vibe, and I'd have to believe in it. I remember like after after like well, let's see. It was when it was between like Wonder Woman and Marvel. Like I remember a person at Marvel uh, came to my booth at C2E2 that year. And he's like, Hey, what's it take for you to come over to Marvel? You know, what do you want to do? And I was like, beta Ray bill. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's, and like, I think and he was like, okay, cool. And I think he thought maybe I would say like Spider-Man or like Wolverine or, yeah. but um, I just like, that was the story that I had that I really wanted to tell us the character that I loved. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> he's one of my favorite characters. And I also wanted to say how cool it was. Um, the way you announced it on like oh. that was so weird and i totally felt as a fan fell for it and i'm looking at my phone and i'm like did he draw a fake beta ray bill cover for a fake <laughs> book and then when i realized it was real i was jumping up and down and my little sister was like what what's going on and i'm like you don't understand daniel <laughs> johnson's doing beta ray bill <laughs> Uh, you know, it's so funny. So Marvel came up with that whole thing, that whole like little quote tweet conversation, you know, it was so and evil like, and genius. <laughs> I know they, they were like, um, they have, the, they have their marketing people do this where they come mm. up with these elaborate, like Twitter ideas or whatever. And they had me, so they're like, then they're sending me an email, which literally says, and then Daniel will say, it, you know, they, they like in red, like what I'm going to say. And I'm reading, I'm like, I would never say that, you know, <laughs> I, I totally <laughs> fell for it. Yeah, and, and like, and uh, they're like, "Oh, okay." And I was like, "How about I just say, ask and you shall receive,' like in all caps?" And they're like, "Okay, that sounds good." <laughs> and what was so funny is, it got that that tweet that we did got so much action on it that um, people like didn't actually believe that it was real. People thought that it was a, uh, it was like a fake Beta Ray film yeah, cover. They I thought was like, like is, I was, is he doing another fan comic? Like, yeah. <laughs> And uh, then, like, Marvel was like, 
sending out emails like, please don't forget to retweet the official announcement. <laughs> <laughs> like the official announcement wasn't getting as much action as like my original tweet, <laughs> which was hilarious. It was really great. It was really fun. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, you mentioned CTE too, and I actually did get to have a short conversation with you at the last. Oh, you did. The last. Oh, dude, I'm sorry, I don't recognize you. No, it's totally okay. It's been a it's a, been a long, long time. I think everyone has changed slightly since yeah. then. But um, speaking on C2E2 yeah. and Chicago things, I thought I was just curious if you've ever been to a Riot Fest. I've always wanted to go to Riot Fest. Um, did did Riot Fest used to be at the Congress Theater? Yeah, many years ago. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I went to Riot Fest in 2006. Oh wow, that was probably that like was the when, second one or something. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. I went because I really wanted to see the Bouncing Souls play. Okay, nice. yeah, I think that nice. was the second one. Yeah, and uh, so they played, and then it was like a Misfits reunion, but without Danzig. <laughs> uh, so they headlined, and like after the Bouncing Souls went on, everybody was like, "Okay, see ya." <laughs> um, I don't remember who else played at that show. Did they do but, their, uh, their cover? Don't Bouncing Souls? They cover uh, Hybrid Moments. That'd been rad. <sighs> yeah. was Danzig so wasn't long here ago. to do this. So long ago. I bet you they did. It's so long ago, I barely remember. I was just curious because me and Dave have been to Riot Fest a few times, and that right. was okay. how we got introduced to the city of Chicago, and it's always been sort of like a second home for us. That's awesome. Chicago's a great town. Um, that's so great. I, I remember when I first moved here in 05, I saw so many bands, so many punk rock bands. I saw the Suicide Machines Nice. Like in August 2005. That was amazing wow good times oh totally are you a big punk guy too i used to be yeah um i'm not so much anymore like there's still a part of me that has a deep love for it um especially like the anthemic stuff um i remember i used to listen a lot to these they're not really anthemic but i used to listen to the casualties yeah i've seen their their shows were wild (laughs) oh i believe that uh so I remember seeing, uh, um, like in Chicago, there was this local band that I actually really start. I got I d- dug um, from the south side of Chicago called Flatfoot Fifty Six. They were like basically like Chicago Dropkick Murphys. Nice. <laughs> they were really fun. Um, and like any time a band that would come into Chicago that I wanted to see that was like punk. I remember I saw the Dropkick Murphys in Chicago, and that was the year that Chicago won the World Series. And the bassist of the Dropkick Murphys came out in full White Sox regalia. <laughs> and he was like, I told you mother effers that <laughs> if Chicago ever won the World Series, the next time I came here, I'd wear all your shit. So here I am. Enjoy it. <laughs> and they had the um, Chicago Police Department's um, bagpipe players come out that and play sick. the bagpipes to open the show. Sick. It was awesome. Yes. Um, Logging Molly thing. I saw. Yeah. Loud. Yeah. Loud. Dropkick's um, loud. Yeah, they, they were. Riot Fest, yeah, so we can... saw them at Riot Fest one time. That's can... for uh, for us when we start rep, rant, ranting about bands we've seen. Usually, it's like, oh, I saw them at Riot Fest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't go see Dropkicks. We just saw them from the other stage because they were so loud. You can hear them over the other band. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Sick. I there's so, in Chicago has so many great like tourists that come through here. Like I remember. Uh, it, Carcass came with um, 
carcass came with oh my gosh oh i can't remember the the a band well <laughs> carcass is the only band that i cared about and like dude they they were in like playing in this old venue like just it looks like a castle inside so epic Sick. and they 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 still use um the fans that they put at their feet so their hair will blow back <laughs> nice <laughs> they have like set up just so that their hair is like going it's awesome <laughs> straight steven tyler and your shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah right on <sighs> that's awesome um, there's a company called Z2 Comics that's been putting out these comics with collab, where they sort of collab with bands and musicians. I don't know if you've heard okay. of them. Um, like Maybe. They, they uh, do in all kinds of ones, but like they have one with Anthrax that came out recently that had like Rick Remender on it and all these oh, sort, of, cool. sort of like big name comic people, but the bands like actually collaborate with the writing process. I was just, that's awesome. I was just curious if you ever got to do something like that. Is there a particular band you would want to like get really in the weeds with like writing a comic with uh definitely me without you uh i love their story and i they've they've been hugely kind of influential on me as like a person as and as an artist um this is going to be funny mxpx uh uh wild sheltered you know growing up uh they uh you know they were like one of the only bands that i was like allowed to listen to that was like in that genre and like you know how, as like an adult, you kind of like listen back on all of your stuff that you used to listen to, and you're like, oh, and like yeah. MXPX definitely does not fall into that category. Like they still like I still really like their stuff. There's oh. always those couple bands that squeeze through. Like for me, yeah. one, for me, one of those is POD. Like I look back, and oh I, dude, POD, POD yes. still kicks ass to me. Like <laughs> dude, Southtown, that freaking yes. track is such a freaking banger yes um, i watched little nikki with my sister a couple weeks ago and that, oh that's God, that song's nikki. in it and i was just jamming out to that song <laughs> that and um even like when they went like a little more like poppy and they're, they're with the one with youth of the nation on it yeah yeah there's um, some tracks on there where it's just like man this is just some great pop rock satellite, like, satellite. yeah dude as I look up to the sky today, oh my it's gosh. so good, dude. <laughs> that song is about, like, you know, dealing with death and all that. And when I was a kid, I thought he was literally singing about a satellite in the sky. I was like, what? what? I was like, what is he talking about? Trying to communicate with this. Like, <laughs> uh, and do you remember, like, then uh, here comes the boom, like, just getting overplayed, yes. like, every movie trailer in, yes. the, like, in, like, was, like, the my, mid-2010s? <laughs> that was, like, when my football team needed a song to pick to run out onto oh, the field. That, that was the song we, we picked. Boom, here comes the boom. I remember <laughs> yeah. when I saw that – I. I saw, I think maybe it was like the second or third Matrix movie. They like definitely have that in the soundtrack. I'm like, POD's made it. Yeah, made it. <laughs> totally. They were one of my, they were also one of my first like uh, concert experiences. I saw them, Hoobastank. Linkin Park. I was at that <laughs> at tour. Linkin Park. Yes. Yeah. I remember getting a beer dumped on my head at that show. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you guys from? We're from Cleveland. Okay. So uh, I saw I saw that tour at the Gund Arena, which is just like our our basketball stadium or whatever. Okay, but I was probably like maybe like twelve or something when I went to that (laughs) show, or maybe maybe even younger. But I just remember vividly that was the first time I got a full beer dumped on my head. (laughs) (laughs) My dad. So ours was at the Worcester Palladium, and like Worcester was like. 
I don't know if it still is, but it's like the not as cool Boston, yeah. you know? And uh, my dad, he pulls us, pulls me and my two friends that are going aside. And he's like, look, there's going to be marijuana there. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, somebody may pass you something, no matter what it is. Don't take it. Doesn't matter if it's cell phone. Doesn't matter if it's cigarette. Doesn't matter if it looks whatever it looks like. Take nothing. And I was like, okay, you got it, Dad. <laughs> that's, that's great. That reminds me of a story of I went to Ozfest as a kid, and they would people would blow up condoms into like. I was a little kid. I ran up to grab one because I thought it was a balloon, and my mom was like, "No, no, no, don't grab it." <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I yeah, remember well. seeing a Sabbath with Dio on the uh, oh. that last tour they did. Yeah. And uh, I went with my aunt. My aunt would take me to all these shows. And, like, there was so much weed smoke. And it was an outdoor amphitheater <laughs> that afterwards, I, I don't smoke, but afterwards I was like, what? And she was like, what? <laughs> there was definitely... Uh, secondhand buzz. I was at that. I was at that show too, but I was in the highest seat possible, and I remember Dio looked like a little ant on the stage. He was so far away. <laughs> oh, but he killed it. He killed it. Yes, it was kick ass. That's awesome. Oh man, very cool. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you yeah, chatting so with us. Hate. This has been such an awesome conversation, of course. Daniel. Yeah, man. Of course. Um, one last question before we wrap up. Uh, sure. You mentioned collecting pedals earlier. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a friend, and I I believe he's a mutual friend. Uh, he runs a company here in Cleveland called Earthquaker Pedals. His name's Matt Horak. Yeah, good old Matt. Yeah, I know Matt. <laughs> yeah, so he wanted me to reach out to you and just say um, there's a convention every year that happens up here called Neo Comic Con, and he says if you come to that convention, he will give you a tour of the Earthquaker Lab and hook you up. <gasps> what? So, so that's some Sick. incentive. <laughs> it's, it's called Northeast Ohio Comic Con, and um, the local. Where, where, the, when is it? It's um. This year, it's, I think, in about two or three months, so it might have to be, like, a next year thing or whatever. But, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But is it happening, like, with COVID and everything? Yeah, it's happening this year. It didn't happen last year, but this is, yeah, they're doing it again, I think, in I think in uh, September or something like okay. that. But, yeah, it's called awesome. Northeast Ohio Comic Con. I could send you uh, some more info. My Some of my friends from the local shop are people who run it and all that. Oh, but the, the wrestling comic. Oh, yeah, oh, there's yeah. a... I wanted to ask you if you ever heard of The Heel. The Heel, a comic book? Yeah, it's a it's a wrestling comic, but I know you're I know you you mentioned uh in other interviews that you're working on a wrestling comic. Um yep. there's a local guy that did and I'm I totally can't think of his name right now and I don't have the book handy, but there's a local guy who did an independent comic book called The Heel that's like a The Heel. Really right. cool wrestling story and um I'll, if I see you at a convention, I'll give you. I'll bring you a copy. That would be awesome. What was it? And the, the kind of wrap it up with the final statement. The end of the Coda gave me mur, uh, Murder Falcon, and like getting through that, it gets to the whole bit of continuing on and fighting through. What even though it's a losing battle, you keep fighting to the very end, and that <laughs> and leaping into that thing and going into that fear of failing and embracing it and just hitting it home, and that hit home so hard with me and Cody because our guitar teacher was a he was a metal guy 
He was in a, a Megadeth and a Metallica cover band. And he awesome. was one of the yeah. His he, his Metallica cover band actually opened for Metallica when right. they did that covers album. They did a tour where <laughs> they didn't want to play their songs, so they had his band Battery awesome. play the song. Right. And Degameth was the meta, uh, the Megadeth. Uh, that's a weird sentence. Cover band, but like he he was always this inspiration for us because one, that's how we met was through his mic nights, and but. He uh, he went full into it. So reading this mm. was kind of like a rad comic version of it, and it was super refreshing and touching. And so I just wanted to say thank you so much for hanging out with us. This has been really cool. Oh, yeah, of course. Thanks for reading it. Thanks so much for the support. Seriously. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, you got That's... fans for life. He Definitely. Right Dude, <laughs> appreciate it. So you guys play guitar. Right. He plays guitar. I play bass. It's funny. In the, uh... in the book uh, – Johan says, I got this sweet five string, and that's what I play as a five string. <laughs> um, what style of music do you guys play? Uh, it's okay. Hang, hang with me for this. Sure, sure, sure. We don't say no to, to anything, but it's, it's high energy funk, punk, reggae, rock. Okay. So we do, do you guys have like a band camp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, we're on, you're, we're on Spotify and Bandcamp and all that stuff. YouTube. What's what's the band name? C Dash Level. We got it right above us. Ah, uh, C Dash Level. Okay. We when we were at um, Riot Fest, we met this band called Ill Noise. <laughs> do you remember those guys? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's on the and they, show. Yeah, they them. were like, let's do a show. C Level and Ill Noise. Like, <laughs> but awesome. as far as guitar work, it, it bounces everywhere. But a lot of it is twelve string acoustic guitars ran through Marshall amps, and wow. a lot of open tunings. So we put out a record last year called Burn Your Own Gasoline that we got some heavy bits in that. Guitar-wise, uh, hopefully you'll dig. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I'll check it out. Thank you. C-Level. I have your Facebook page here. C-Level is a high-energy funk punk reggae rock band from Cleveland, <laughs> Ohio. Right on, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
Daniel Warren Johnson on the album Shredded to Death by Bruticus. The song was Top Down, Cold Beer, and Good Friends.